Joshua Boatsi stops Ricard Balotniks. He moves on potentially to a world title fight. But should he challenge for a world title or should he conquer Britain first? Amir Khan versus Kelbrook looks as if it's finally happening, but is the fight as big as it once seems? A former two-weight world champion is set to make one last hoorah in the world of, of boxing. And Jake Paul has his own hit list and there's a huge fight in the 147 division to talk about this weekend. This is Lights Out. I am Fessel Khan and this is another edition of the Lights Out Boxing Podcast, podcast number 37. And with me, delighted to be joined by one of the old and usual faces of Lights Out, Mr. Mohsin Gulshir. Mohsin, good evening. Uh, a pleasure as always. Thank you very much for joining us. Good to have you on, brother. Thank you for having me on, brother. <laughs> nice. Listen, you're practically, you know, stuck with furniture. Lights Out now. Yeah, you are part of the furniture. You like the little bit of the chewing gum on the bottom of the shoe, which we just can't, can't get rid of, of, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all love. Appreciate you uh, jumping on as always. And before we get started, we're going to be having two special guests join us today. Uh, professional boxer Michael Stevenson and fingers crossed he still does manage to pull through. Xavier Miller, the head trainer of the body snatcher Dillian White. Uh, lots to talk about today, but obviously before we move on to the topics that we're going to discuss... Uh, I believe Michael is joining us right now. I'm going to add him to the stream. He's just come back from a training session. Uh, Michael, thank you very much for taking your time out to join today's podcast. This is Michael Stevenson, a professional boxer from Bedford. Um, he's appeared many times on Lights Out. We've had many fun memories with Michael over the years. We've, <laughs> we've been interviewing him since 2018. I remember Mohsen interviewed him after his, I believe it was his last fight in the Corn Exchange in Bedford. Yeah. Uh, Michael's a bundles of laugh. Michael, thank you very much for joining us, mate. It's a pleasure right. to have you on. Um, thank you for having me. No, listen, Michael, always good to, to see your face as always. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about today, including the return up to the ring for yourself. Uh, for those yeah. who haven't, please make sure you check us out on all the social media platforms. The links are below in the description. And uh, once this um, podcast has ended, I'll remember to add Michael's social media links as well so be sure to give him a follow especially for all you nice single looking ladies out there as well make sure you check him out all right and of course if you want to listen to this uh, podcast on any of the po podcast platforms such as spotify or Pod pocket cast the links are going to be below in the description a little later on tonight let's move on because with every podcast we start off with our quick fire question didn't put it in the transcript didn't even give michael a transcript so it's unscripted for him tonight ron you've got no excuses brace yourself Today's quickfire question, what is your greatest Muhammad Ali moment? Uh, being the host of the podcast, I think it's only fair that I answer first. And I'm going to go with the moment he beat George Foreman in Zaire, Rumble in the Jungle. Um, wasn't born at the time. And I've obviously I've watched the fight many times on YouTube. I've watched clips, the build-up to it. But where I gained most of my knowledge was from the Ali movie that featured Will Smith. And uh, watching that build up, how it was all made around Zaire and there was obviously a lot of politics going on at the time. I just feel obviously with the layoff he had during around that time before fighting Foreman, for him to go to a country and do it in Africa and gain the support he did, especially what was going on with him in his career with the politics side out of the ring. 
I think for me, that is his most fitting moment to stop George Foreman and become a two-time world heavyweight champion. That's my fondest memory of Muhammad Ali. Um, Mike, what's your fondest memory of the well, the greatest of all time? Um, when he beat Sonny Liston. So when Sonny Liston was a monster, he was knocking everyone out. Muhammad Ali, I think he was 22. He was coming back. Well, he was saying that, yeah, he will knock him out. Everyone thought he was... Um, who was this guy? Everyone thought, who was Cassius Clay at that time? He came there. I think, did he just come back winning the gold? I think yeah. he was like, after he won the gold, he said that he was the greatest, but he was only 22 at the time. Sonny Liston was knocking everyone out. And Muhammad Ali, done done it. Yeah, when he knocked him out. I think that what that is the game changer, I think. When someone un, undestructible, like Sonny Liston at the time, and a young little Cassius Clay came over and just knocked him out and stopped him, actually, on the stool. Brutal knockout as well. I remember that knockout when he knocked out Sonny Liston. They fought twice, didn't they? Uh, I believe it was twice. And the, fir the first time he knocked him out was... Was brutal. I think they can they compared like Sonny Liston as like the brawl of the heavyweight division at the time. Yeah, he was, was like the mental one. one. Yeah, yeah. Think, Ron he made him quit. He made him quit on the stool. He did. He did. Yeah. Ron, what was your fondest memory of Muhammad Ali? I mean, that's a very difficult question to answer. I mean, Ali was inspirational in the ring as well as outside the ring as well uh, for what he did for the civil rights movements. Um, um, just for his character, his personality. Um, I'm going to pick up, I mean, you both have picked boxing moments. For me, Ali really, for what he stood for um, and when he kind of stood up against uh, going, going to Vietnam um, and as a result of that, you know, he sacrificed his career. You know, he lost three, you know, what, three or four years of his career and he still come back and he won the title. Um that shows his stature, his, you know, his character, you know, you know, three time, was it three time champion? Mm -hmm. How amazing is that? So for me, it was, Ali was amazing in the ring, his, the Ali shuffle, you know, the movement that he produced, but is what he stood for as outside the ring for me, that's, you know, and there's so many great moments there. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot of moments you can pick with um, Muhammad Ali. He had such a lucrative career, you know the the respect he gained in and out of the ring. It, it just a phenomenal, iconic figure in the sport of boxing, and they will definitely, you know, personality-wise, I don't think mm. you'll ever get someone just like Muhammad Ali. I mean, forget his boxing skills. I mean, his people skills, all the charity work he did, and all the good he did, especially um, with coming out and changing his name. And you know, he was a proud Muslim as well. Mm. Uh, a wonderful, iconic figure, and definitely there will be no one quite like him. I mean, I think we are likely to get another Floyd Mayweather. We are likely to get another great, great fighter coming in our time. But I, I just think, think the closest person to Ali at the moment, I would say, talking about his stature, how he talks, how he presents himself, is Tyson Fury, for me, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, I, I would like to say, boxing wise, I think that. The way technically how they are, the way they move their feet around the ring and their head movement, I think Tyson Fury is today's modern day Muhammad Ali in terms I of outside the ring. I'm not mm. too sure. And I don't want to like this Tyson because if anyone knows me, knows me well enough to know that I'm a huge Tyson Fury fan 
and I have him as the number one heavyweight in the world today. I think it's the fact that Fury, like Muhammad Ali, was a civil rights. He done like um, civil rights, and um, Tyson Fury. You think about it. Look at the stuff he's done for mental health and how many yeah. people. And I think that is the same kind of statue, but civil rights mm -hmm. to mental health. If Mah if Tyson Fury was in the nineteen sixties, would he and would he talk? Would he be different and talk about civil rights? You would, and you would never know. But mm -hmm. I think the closest person. And I think Mah Tyson Fury does look up to Muhammad Ali. Of course. But, yeah, I could, yeah, I, I mean, I agree uh, with those sentiments. I mean, you can see the parallels there between the two characters. Very live wire characters, kind of people couldn't stand them when they're early on in their careers. I mean, I couldn't yeah. stand Tyson Fury, you know, I'm thinking, what the hell is he doing coming into a dressed up as a Batman outfit or whatever it was? Oh, yeah. Ali with, you know... <laughs> Lyrically, he was fantastic, wasn't he? With the what you know, yeah. the rhymes that he used to come up with. You know, I remember his famous words I shook up the world, you know, when he won the uh title against uh mm -hmm. and Liston when he was uh Ron, cash Ron, Ron, just to stop you, dear, um, I'm gonna have to introduce our other special guest. Um, good evening to you, Mr. Xavier Miller. Thank you very much for joining us. How have you been as of late? Very good, thank you. How are you guys? Oh, we're very well, thank you for asking. Uh, very, very pleased that can you, you can... Can you, hear, can you hear me clearly? Yes, we can hear you clearly and uh, very, very happy to have you on. Um, Xavier, meet Ron. Ron, meet Xavier. Xavier, meet Mike. Mike, meet Xavier. Nice to meet you. Xavier, before we obviously move on to discuss what we were planning on discussing, we do a quick-fire question with every podcast. So it'd be great to get your thoughts. As you can see, the quick-fire question is at the bottom of the screen. What was your greatest Muhammad Ali moment? This list is far too many. <laughs> I, I think I, I think when he when he when he um when he beat George Foreman because you know it was, it was the talk going in. Oh, you know you're going to get killed in the ring, and you know yeah. he's an animal, and you know this and that, and listen, he just picked the perfect tactics, and uh, you know George is an all-time great, he's special, but Ali just you know played a mental game with him, and um. You know, came with a victory, and you know, it was just one of the greatest performances of all time. So yeah, that's that's probably the, the one that sticks in my head. Even though, obviously the Sunny Liston was great too, but mm. that one against Foreman is the one. Hundred percent. Well, thank you very much for that, uh, Xavier. Um, right, guys. Well, let's move on. Um, the question Xavier was probably fearing most because I know he probably gets it asked him on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> an update on the body snatcher, the guy that you work with week in, week out. Um, and of course, obviously, we'll relate the question to the fans as well, and they can get back to us in the comment section. But first of all, um, it's been quite a while now since that victory over Alexander Povetkin. What can you tell us about uh, Dillian's progress in the gym and training camp, and how's he looking? Yeah, you know, uh, training camp is training camp for everybody. You know, when when you go to the gym every day, you should be learning. If you're not learning, then you know something's seriously wrong. You yeah. know, and uh, since I met Dillian, there's specific things that I want him to improve on and uh, he's been open and you know he's a very good student I don't have to tell Dillian to work hard Dillian has never needed anybody to work hard he works hard in the gym every time he gets in the gym he wants to work and put in a good shift um, so he's in, a, he's in a very good place right now um, you know we're just obviously we're waiting in line we want our title shot desperately but he's doing the right thing you know staying active at the end of the day he's a prize fighter and he needs to fight. Um, throughout history, too many times guys have um, waited on other opponents, um, waited on title shots, and uh, 
know, you can go stale. And then that's usually when guys like to pick you off. You know, if you haven't been in the ring for a couple of years or you haven't been that active, then they want to give you a shot. No, Dillian's staying active and doing what he should do. You know, stay in the gym and stay active. The main question is obviously who is he going to fight next? Is he going to fight in America, in UK? But what I would like to ask you is, is that um, I was listening to one of Eddie Hearn's interviews and he said he'd like Tyson Fury to be put in recess and for Dillian White to be awarded the full-time world champion. To some people, obviously, that's, you know, some people would say, yes, the right thing to do. Or some people would say it's the easy thing to do. But as Dillian's head trainer, would you not like to see him fight someone like maybe Andy Ruiz or whoever's next in the line in terms of the WBC ranking and win the title in the ring rather than just give it to him, considering what's gone on with the WBC in the past? No, I think, listen, these, the, the governing bodies, they need to start being more consistent. You know, if you're an interim champion and the champion is no longer to function if he can't fight, you know, or he's been absent for a long period, you know, they vacate. And if you're the interim champion, you get elevated to champion status. It's simple. You know, it's, it's similar to what's happened with uh, Manny Pacquiao. You know, he didn't box for a couple of years. So, you know, they took the belt from him and gave it to us. I mean, you can't hold you can't hold these belts hostage. You know, life goes on. You know, if you're not going to defend your belt, you vacate. It, if you, When you do come back, yes, to me, you should get the first shot. Because if you vacate the title and lose in the ring, then obviously you come back after a year, yeah, you, you've got every right to fight, fight for your belt. But mm -hmm. you've got no one to me is bigger than boxing. You shouldn't be able to just hold on to belts. And to me, Dillian, his, his resume is one of the best in boxing including world champions you know his, his resume is just it's proven there's not much more he has to do to deserve a title shot now if the guy is that he should who he should be getting a title shot from are not willing to fight him for whatever reason you know and they and they vacate then he should get made champion we're more than happy to go and defend the belt against joshua wilder ruiz whoever but he did this is this is this is a man that deserves his shot you know you know, do the right thing for boxing, you know. And like I said, this is the only problem of boxing to me is, is there's no governing body governing everything. If there was one governing body overseeing everything, these guys wouldn't be allowed to get away with what they're getting away with. But you see, because they're independent, you know, mm. you've got to play their game, unfortunately. So, again, we're waiting in line. We're, we're, we are doing the right things to deserve a title shot. You know, we're doing our part. These guys have got to do their part, you know. As I said, I had an interview the other day. I was saying that, it's not a good look for boxers coming up. You know, I also have my own amateur boxing club and they're watching these professional boxers. They're watching these boxers go through hell to get to a number one position and then you're not getting a shot at the title. I mean, what are these young fighters actually thinking when they hear these things? You know, they, 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 in, in, in their gym, in their mind, if I do the right things and I work hard, I'll get the rewards. But that's not what's happening. And you see, that's why sport needs to be cleaned up. What, what, so sorry, guys, obviously, before you ask your questions, there's a lot I could ask Xavier right now, but would you say there's an agenda against Dillian White? Because I've had, for me, in my notebook, I've had him down as the, the number one challenger since he beat Lucas Brown, and that's, I believe, going all the way back to 2017. Yeah, I mean, even, even, before, even before I even met Dillian, because remember, I was actually in the corner with Don Charles um, for the rematch with Jazora. Uh, so even before I even met Dillian, I was saying, why are they doing this to this guy? I thought it was a bit strange. Um, I, I don't know what else he needs to do. I don't know why it's happening. I mean, no one really has the answers. But, you know, listen, 
these guys have got their own agenda or their own way of doing things. Mm. And unfortunately, you know, you life goes on. You've got to do what you've got to do until you get your shot. And that's exactly mm. what we're doing. Okay, perfect. Guys, floor's all yours. Um, take it away. Xavier's a very confident man. He's never shy of answering any questions. So, so go ahead. I haven't, yeah, I haven't shied away from a question yet. I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, credit where it's due for, I mean, Dillian White. I mean, who hasn't he fought, you know, in this time where he should have been challenging for the title? I mean, like the Povetkins, the, the Wax, Oscar Rivas, you know, the, the most avoided fighter. Chisora, you know, those two great fights that he gave us, Joseph Parker, Lucas Brown. So, yeah, I mean, what does he need to do? I mean, can you see Dillian going to America? Does he need to kind of oh, really put himself, put himself his oh, name out there in the US fighting against a James oh, definitely, Franklin? Definitely. I mean, if, if not this year or towards the end of the year, then next year, definitely we're looking to go to America. We're, we're, not, we're not worried about fighting anywhere. That's fine. Mm. We, we'll, we'll, we'll do whatever's necessary to get that shot of that title. So if that means, you know, building up your brand or your name in, in you know, away from the UK, then we're willing to do that. No. But wouldn't you say that Dillian's, he's made his name already. Like I said, he's, was he, 34 now? So he's done everything he needs to to make his name. Don't you, wouldn't you just... And he's for everyone that he needs to mm -hmm. fight. Like he said, he's not a Joshua. He hasn't had that amateur pedigree. He hasn't had that money pumped in him from the start. He's mm -hmm. he started on a small hall shows and he's worked his way up. And the best thing he ever done was lost against Joshua. Yeah. And that's when he started to learn and develop. And then he's for everyone. Realistically, Tyson Fury and Joshua, probably the only two you would say commercially are bigger than him in England or probably in the world. Anyone else, I think. Those two, those two guys have also travelled. I mean, Dillian's travelled, travelled, but also, but you know, a high-profile fight and in the US, you know, it, it can't help your brand, can it? You well, know, like, it, who, makes, who, it makes sense because remember the U, the US is so much bigger than the UK. People actually forget the, you know, the reason why Lennox and these guys, did, you know, they they branched out is because obviously, you know, you're a world champion, you know. Yeah, but that's the 1990. We're talking about 2021, where you everything happens in the UK for me. As a professional fighter, I would say, as listen, if I'm Dillian, I'm thinking you're coming to my town. I, why am I traveling over to you when I'm number I'm eight? Like Mayweather, for example, he is not going to fight outside of America because he is, as he said, a side. Dillian White is a side now, except from Joshua and Fury. The only two I'd say who are, would be the A-side against him. So why would you go to America and... Can, can, Xavier, can, can it, I answer it, that for you? Wide, because... It's a wider audience. It's a, it's a very... That's a simple answer. You know, you want to get to a wider audience. And, and, and still, you know, yeah. you've got, you got pay-per-view in the UK. You know, yeah. you'd also like to have that pay-per-view in the US. It becomes massive. You okay. know, that's, why, that's probably why the other guys have travelled as well, because, you know, it's... Listen, the U.S. is a massive, massive market. I know we're good over here. In the U.K., we're comfortable. You yeah. know, boxing is massive in the U.K. But, you know, at the same time, England is very small in comparison. You know, to the US. Okay. I think, look, I'm going to answer Mike's question because Dillian White is a type of person, if you said there's a war zone right now in the middle of your street, but you've got to go fight Chisora, he'd be like, yeah, no problem. Give me my gloves, put a referee in. That's just the type of person Dillian White is. Yeah, and, God, and for, for me, Dillian White, 
I mean, and I mean this with all due respect, Xavier, does not belong in this era. For me, he belongs in the, the Lewis, the Holyfield, the, the, the Riddick Bowles, the Mike Tyson. That, for me, is the era that he should be in right now, along with probably Joshua and Fury, but to a certain extent. But if you ask me, the biggest cojones in that division right now is Daniel White. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's been ranked number one in the WBC for how long? And as Ron just said, he's fought Chisora twice. He's fought Joseph Parker. He's fought Oscar Rivas. He's fought Lucas Brown. And he's fought Povetkin twice. This guy doesn't have to be fighting right now. He could yeah. easily sit on his sofa and say, no, do you he know can, what? He, he can take over, take over fights as well. You know, he's got that exactly. number one position. But he hasn't. He's chosen to be like, right, let's have it. And I, I, I love that about Dylan, um, that he's got the biggest, like you said, biggest cojones. So, Zay, like what, at, at the same time, you see, Dillian, you know, he doesn't, he didn't have a, um, you know, a big or you know, experienced amateur background. So he's getting the experience fighting top level guys. You know, it's a bit like what you know, you're looking at like like Fabio. You know, he fought Medina quite recently. You know, you, you can make up that gap with the amateurs if you come from, like, white collar or have very limited amateur experience by fighting better opposition. And the reason why I believe Dean is ready now to win a world title is because of the guys that he's beat. Okay, right. Well, guys, let's try and move on. I mean, obviously, we all want to know what's next for uh, Dillian. <laughs> uh, Dillian, um, sorry, Xavier, just sum it up for us before we do move on to our next uh, topic on the podcast. Who is your number one opponent that you'd like to see Dillian fight next? I want to I want to fight for a world title. So mm -hmm. whoever the, the, the guys that got the world titles, that's that's my first choice, obviously. Um, outside of that, I like the Ariola fight. I like the Andy Ruiz fight. I like the Jermaine Franklin fight. Listen, whenever Dillian's involved, one is pay per view worthy, <laughs> and two, yeah, you can't knock the guy, man. For me, definitely, if you you want to. If you want to get all the heavyweights together and put all the testicles together, Dillian's got the biggest for me. And I, I know I probably shouldn't say that, but it's the honest truth. And there's a massive respect to the guy. You can't knock what he's been doing over the last few oh, years. Man. He is value for money. Moving on, because um, last Saturday night saw the finale of Fight Camp. Three brilliant weeks. Uh, massive mm. shout-out to the zone, Matt Room and Eddie Hearn. And who made event in that card was Josh Boatsy with a stunning performance against uh, Ricard Balotniks. Now... There's been a debate going around social media all week, and it's a debate that I'm enjoying as of lately. Now, we're getting this debate quite a lot, and one of the most depressing things in, in British boxing for me is we don't get to see the domestic fighters fight each other enough. It's not happening enough, in my opinion, but obviously mm -hmm. you guys will give your opinion on it. But I want, And again, no disrespect to the panel. I want to start off with uh, Xavier Miller because he's got younger fighters that are coming up. As you just mentioned, he's training amateur fighters What's your path? You know, what do you believe is the right move? Do you believe you should conquer Britain, Europe, then world world elite level? Because we're hearing Eddie Hearn would like him to have another uh, warm-up fight, then perhaps early February of next year take on Bivol for the world title. But when you look at that light heavyweight division, Yard, uh, Callum Johnson, mm -hmm. uh, Lyndon Arthur, you've even got Callum Smith now, there's still uh, Craig Richards. There's still good domestic fights out there to be made. What do you think is the next step for Joshua Batsy, especially after his performance on Saturday night? I think the best way for me to answer this question is, my, my belief has always been, I've got no problem with a boxer challenging for a world title. What I've got a problem with is the fighters that win a world title and then don't want to fight the other champions. So, like, picking and choosing, you might pick, okay, the weakest opponent in that weight category and then when you win that title then you want to be moving up moving down or avoiding the other guys in the division 
me, I'm coming from the old school. You know, I'm obviously my favourite fighter of all time is Evander Holyfield, and he's undisputed in two weight divisions. To me, that means that you're number one. Yeah. If you've got all the belts, you're number one. You can't claim to be number one unless you have all those belts. So, for, for Boatsy, do I think he's good enough to challenge those other world champions? Yes, I do. So I think that he should go for a world title. It depends how he feels. I feel I think he's good enough, but I'd also, like you were saying, I'd like to see him involved in these domestic fights because there's so many good guys around. You've got Yard, Arthur, you know, Craig Richards, who I know as well. It, it, these, these are all good fights. But, um, you know, with world titles comes money. Hmm. You know, there's a big difference between yeah. fighting for a British title and getting a purse and fighting for a world title and getting a purse, you know, generally. So 100%. I think, you know, you, 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 you want to put value on your name. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I don't think it's a problem him going for a world title, but I do think he can be competitive with the other guys. As I say, I've got a problem with guys winning world titles and then just like... Not, yes, sort of like disappearing the in the wilderness, yeah. Yeah, you know what mm. Josh Taylor did, you know, he's done it the right way. He's, he's, you, there's no dispute. There's no argument. He's number one in that division, just like Terence Crawford was. You know, we want to see the same thing in the worldweight division. You should want to clear out your division, like, like, Thomas Hearns, Sugar Ray Leonard, you should want to be number one, like Hopkins, like Hagler. You should want to be the best. You know, to me, like, to me, picking up a world title, that's good. that's great. Massive achievement. But you can't be screaming that I'm the best if you don't fight the other guys in the yeah. way. No. 100%. Uh, lads, and, lads, what's your thoughts on Josh Boatsy and what's his next move? I've got a question for uh, Xavier. Um, you know, Andre Ward kind of commented for Boatsy that it was a good win for Boatsy. Everything that took place was what he needed to prepare him for a tougher, tougher competition. Now, so Xavier, I just want to ask you as a coach perspective, was that his first fight under uh, Virgil Hunter? Uh, what, what did you make of it? Did you see any changes from his previous performance, his style, his defense? Uh, I mean, he came through really with flying colors in that fight. Uh, I think it was a solid performance. What, what, what was your take on it? How do you think that chemistry is working with a top coach like uh, Virgil in your corner? Yeah, I, I think I, I could see a, a few subtle changes here and there. Um, mm. I actually liked when he was using one hand to defend, when he was catching shots on his right and left side and then coming back with shots. I like that. You know, he looked good doing that. Um, I think he still got hit with too many right hands. Um, but, you know, the guy is like, he's, you know, he's tough. You know, he looks like he's ready to fight these world champions. And Virgil, I think it's more, I think what he'll bring is more the mental side of the game. Yeah. You know, that was the first time I think Boatsy had gone past seven or eight rounds. And you could see that he was smart enough to take a recovery round after he had a very good six. I think it was a sixth round where he almost got the guy out. Then he took kind of took a round off, went behind his jab, used the ring, and then he came back the next round with a lot of spark and energy. Um, so I, I like the way he, he almost controlled, you know, the 11 rounds. Um, you know, he got a lot of experience from it, which th that's why I think he's, you know, in a good position to to step up. But Virgil, you know, he's listen. He's been around. He's had loads of good guys. Obviously, an all-time great. You know, he's had Khan. He's had Berto. So that he's, he's gonna. He's, uh, the other thing that people seem to forget is, it, not every time you go to a new coach, everything just clicks. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it, it's time to build a relationship. Um, you know, because you as a coach, you've got you've got your ways and how you like things done. Then the boxers got their own ways. And you kind of have to find a happy medium. That can happen after one fight. Um, it can happen after two. 
but usually that takes time to develop. So I think if he sticks with what he's doing, I think we'll see a very different looking Boatsy in 12 months. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, he's he's right. He's hundred percent right. It's it's going to take time, and uh, I would, you know, Virgil Hunter. He's 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 a very experienced coach, and I think it it made sense them two teaming up together. I mean, if he is to go up to that next level, you want you know a world class coach with you, and I think Virgil Hunter is one of the best out there. And Virgil Hunter knows the game inside out, and he knows that Boatsy's a raw talent, but. When you look at that 175 division, you know, all right, so people don't really give Bivol the credit that he deserves mm. for his performance against Craig Richards, but it doesn't mean he's a bad fighter. And then you look at Berta Biev, who's, a, who's an awesome fighter. You look at, you know, Joe Smith Jr. You know, there's uh, Badu Jack. You know, regardless regardless of what you think of him, John Pascal still in there, you know, they're still very, very good fighters in that division. And I think yeah. when you do go up to world level, it's good to have that sort of, you know, guy around you that's been like involved in these big, big fights. And I think, you know, I mean, Xavier would tell you, tell you himself, you know, it's not only just the actual fight preparation is key. Preparation is one of the biggest things Always. in boxing. I think fights, fights are one and lost in camp. I'm yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I agree with that. But I think with Boatsy, I think he has to fight one of those top four. Like I said, either the Arthur Yard Johnson. Like mm -hmm. at that level, yeah. When you're a British level, there's not much difference. Um, Mr. Million might agree with me. You might, there's not much difference between British level and world level at the light heavyweight scene. Any of those five can go to that world level. I think mm -hmm. for that's me personally. Look at Callum Johnson, he went at the world level. I think he didn't, like I said, he fought, or was it Berbatev, and he dropped it. He's never been dropped before. I think yep. Yard, he went up to world level, mm -hmm. weren't experienced enough. Um, Craig Richards, I thought he'd done excellent against Bivol. Yeah, and I think he'd done excellent. And from there, and if you think about it, who's when when the, the most person that stepped up to world level was um, Craig Richards, and he performed. He's the only one that actually performed, if you know what I mean. But actually, mm -hmm. he went to European level before his last fight against, was it Ciliac? Ciliac? And he not struggled. Yeah, he did struggle, to be fair. People like that, he needs to be taking guys like that out to be at that top level but mm. for me Boatsy like he will be a world champion no doubt about that 18 to 24 a year to 24 months he will be a world champion I think he will be, yes. what annoys me the most about when, when you talk about for example like a matchroom fighter fighting a Queensbury fighter Frank Warren versus Eddie Hearn yeah they both say the same thing that oh let's not do it yet let's build that fight up okay. let be world champion but like when you look at it Dillian fought Anthony Joshua when they were both at British domestic level. Yeah, but you know, George Groves fought uh, James DeGale when they were both at British yeah. domestic level. And these were, we're talking big, big fights. Do you know what I mean? They, yeah. don't, they don't need world titles for it to be a big fight. And there's but, no harm if someone loses. The winner can still go on and achieve great things. It's, it's like Mayweather or Pacquiao. They could have fought 10 years ago, fought for 10 million. They waited six years later and they fought only got 300 million. It's a business, if you know what I mean, mm -hmm. as well. You delayed the is we want to see the fights, but as a business perspective, yeah, like I said, like Mayweather Pacquiao, they wait six, seven more years and they develop and they got another extra, like I said, they could have got 10 million, I think, each. But at least, mm -hmm. at least, it, at least it happened though, yeah, <laughs> exactly. but because yeah, money because talks we're, as well. We're Why still would you Kelbrook and Khan? That is that's never happened. Well, um, it's a good it's thing you brought that up, Xavier, because that is our next topic. Mm -hmm. Because as of late, it does look like that fight is slowly progressing in the right way massive shame we didn't get this six or seven years ago 
But I actually have a feeling that we are going to see it now, probably because they both know it's the it's the only fight that's really going to make them any serious money. It's the fight that's going to make enough noise, enough hype. Exactly. Is it finally happening? Uh, Xavier, you stay close to Eddie Hearn. You, I know you've got a few guys in and around the, the matchroom <laughs> camp, and I know you've probably bumped into Kelbrook over the last couple of months, but can you see it finally happening now? Are we set to see Amir Khan versus Kelbrook? I've, I actually, I've only ever bumped into Kel Brook at, uh, at the um, Golovkin weigh-in. That's the only time I've actually bumped into the guy. I think I've never oh, okay. Him. And I've, I bumped into Khan, I think, at the... I think it was the Crawford Khan weigh-in, um, but I don't, I don't know any of them. But I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Kelbrook. I'll be honest with you because um, I like he's, he's got. I mean, I know he's from the Ingle Gym, but he doesn't have that Ingle style. He's got his own style. Um, I think he's got one of the best uh, jab pull counters um, for years, and he performed really, really well against Sean Porter. I, I just think the Golovkin fight, I just think that ruined his career. Yeah. I just think it was the wrong it was the wrong fight at that time. You know, when I when I actually saw the way and I couldn't actually believe the difference in size between the two of them, I thought this is crazy. Um and you know, then he's got to drop back down the weight, you know, to fight Errol. I think that, I think the Errol Spence would have would fight would have been an even better fight if he hadn't have had to drop all that weight and had that facial damage. But I'm a massive fan of Kel. Um I slightly favour him to beat Khan. But I see the fight going to points. Um, I just think that I think Kelbrook is a better boxer. Um, with Khan, we know the speed, but um, I think sometimes he throws. But I don't know how much method there is to it. With Kel, it's calculated. And that's the difference between the two to me. But they've both been great for British boxing, and you know, I think I think people are still going to be even interested even now, even though it's late. I think people are still going to be interested. So. I'm glad it's happening. Both guys are going to get paid well. And, um, you know, we need to see more of this and, and earlier. I mean, there's a couple of guys at Matchroom. 100%. Super featherweights. Uh, I think Joe Cordina and Zelva Barrett, they should be fighting each other. Archie Sharp as at, well as in that division. At this, stage, at this stage, those two, I think, would make a great fight. I think Eddie did mention that maybe an eliminator for a world title. That's a fantastic idea. And as we were saying earlier about George Groves and, you know, um, and, uh, James DeGale early in their career. You say that, that those sort of fights, like for an eliminator for a world title, you know, the, the winner goes on, the other guy, you know, back down to domestic level and then building themselves back up again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a shame we have to, we, we never got Junior Witter and uh, Hatton. So even yeah. though it's happening late, at least it's happening. Yeah, exactly. Can't complain. You know, better, better late than never, as they say. You know, personally, I do believe this was the fight Abby Khan should have taken rather than uh, the Danny Garcia fight. I thought at that time, it was perfect to make Khan versus Brook. He took the Danny Garcia fight. We all know what happened there. Um, I just didn't really recover after that. They both went up to 160. And as Xavier said, he saw Kel Brook at the Golovkin weigh-in and it, he couldn't believe it what he was ridiculous. saying. It looked ridiculous, honestly. But you know, I think that's where I think Kel Brook's gone wrong in his career. I mean, we've no, I've noticed how he's moved up from 147, 154, 160, you know. It, it has been done in the past, but you know, you've got to be on a different level to sort of go up in weight and carry on going up in weight. Some people can do it, some fighters can do it, some fighters can't do it. And I think that's what's affected Kelbrook a lot. I mean, that's where these damaging injuries have come from. That's jumping, you know, people... he jumped two weights. That's the problem, you see. Yeah, exactly. He jumped, he jumped two weights against a genuine banger. We know what happened against Canelo, Canelo for Amir Khan when he jumped up, what, three weights or something, what it was, or something ridiculous. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. listen, look, Mosley, 
Mosley jumped two ways to beat De La Hoya. It can yeah. be done. But you know, but most Mosley's a different animal. Yeah, you know, and there's levels. There's levels. Yeah, I, I, I just think it was a it was it was a crazy idea. But listen, you know, it, he's still gone on to have a decent career. But I think he would have had an even better one if he hadn't taken that Golovkin fight. I think that would have been great. Amazing. We've had a we've had a comment from uh, Umar Farouk. Uh, massive shout out to Umar. He goes, "The British public, in my opinion, doesn't matter anymore. It's several years too late. It's exactly what's wrong with boxing. Khan looking for a payday at the British public's expense." And you know what? I mean, listen, massive fan of Amir, massive fan of Amir Khan. Xavier, you said you can't argue with that. I, I agree. I think he's a hundred percent spot on. Amir Khan, if you'd asked him this when he before the Phil Greco fight, he was still mm, that fight might happen. That fight might not happen. Or it's going to happen when I say it is now. All of a sudden, he's so hell bent on the fight happening. I just think Amir Khan now knows he's not got many payday options left. He's not going to attract a fight with Errol Spence. Crawford wouldn't give him the time of day again. He'll, he'll never fight Manny Pacquiao. It just does not make any sense for Manny Pacquiao to fight Amir Khan. The no. biggest and only fight remaining for me, and that's excluding the Conor Ben fight as well, who I think is a brilliant fighter. He's one of the next big stars. The Kelbrook fight makes more sense than any mm, other fight. I Guys, agree. your thoughts on this? 100%, I agree. Just, wanna, just one last comment. I mean, I've just seen recent in the social media that Amir Khan is training with uh, Terence Crawford at the moment. At the moment, yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen that. That's uh, that's an interesting one. I don't know if, how many fighters would train with a fighter that's defeated them. So I don't know if that's an ego. You have to put the ego and the pride to the side. Um, but then I recently saw Kel Brook uh, being interviewed. Um, I think it was on, on the Zone uh, with Eddie Hearn, and they they were talking about the fight as well. You know, Kel Brook doesn't didn't look in fighting shape. So, you know, mm. for him to kind of really can drop down in weight, you know, is he in fighting, you know, what's he going to be like? I'm, I'm just hoping that Crawford doesn't look to low blow Amir Khan because of what happened last time, you know. <laughs> Let's just hope nothing happens and then we get all the excuses that he can't fight and that he's out of an injury. We'll move on, obviously, because there are quite a few things to top, talk about. And one of them is this Saturday night's huge fight. One of my favourite fighters of all time. Manny Pacquiao takes on Yodinus Ugas. Now, again, not being biased, but obviously the build-up is going to be Pacquiao this, Pacquiao that. Is that is this going to be his last fight? You know, has Pacquiao still got in his tank? His last fight was all the way back in 2019 against Keith Furman. But Yodinus Ugas, um, he's got a version of one of the world titles. I don't know whether it's a full version or whether it's not. And I, I don't want to get into the debate about versions of belts, but... Yugas, how much of a threat does he present to Pacquiao on Saturday night? Are we looking at Yugas and not giving him the credit that he may deserve because yeah. his defeats have only come by split decisions and he's lost to half-decent opponents and he's a younger fighter, he's mm. been the more active fighter. Is it not fair to say that Yugas should be considered the favourite going into this fight? So this, this is a, mm. a strange one. I think my, my concern is, okay, so the Spence fight was cancelled with 10 days out you a training camp is between 10 to 14 weeks you spent your whole camp training for a southpaw then Spence gets injured and now you've been offered this fight and now you're fighting an orthodox fighter to me that that poses massive problems to me because it's you know your, your, your sparring has been tailored you don't really have enough time to get too much sparring in before you're actually going to fight. I mean, it's just a week out, you know. Once they announced it, the fight wasn't going to go ahead. That makes it. That makes the fight interesting. 
the question really is, is how good is Ugas? I thought he beat Porto. Um, I thought he looked, he, he did look physically strong. Like he was, at times he, he could put in Sean Porter on the back foot, which is a very difficult thing to do. I know Sean Porter said that he was opting to box more, but that, that, that doesn't always work out that way. I mean, you get in the ring sometimes, you've got an idea what you want to do. I saw Sean Porter try and get aggressive sometimes, but Ugas was pretty strong. He stood firm and was landing some good shots on him. So he's a decent operator. Um, but what makes it interesting, obviously, is Manny is 42 or 43, how old he is, and Ugas is younger. Manny's obviously a different level, but this guy's young. So to me, it's, a, it's an interesting fight, but I do slightly favour Pacquiao because the experience and the speed. Yeah. Uh, but Honestly, I just don't think it's an ideal training camp. Um, I'm surprised they didn't actually pull the fight and try to reschedule. Um, but saying that, Manny's already been out for two years, so it wouldn't have helped him anyway. Um, so it's probably better that he does compete. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm fascinated because I, I, obviously, because I, I did watch the Ugas and put a fight live, and I was like, well, I'd never seen Ugas before that. And I scored the fight to Ugas by a round or two. So yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I, did this, sorry, but I'm just hoping this isn't Manny Pacquiao's last fight. If he yeah. loses, you can definitely say he's going to call it a day. But I, it, uh, we did the podcast last week, me and Ron, and we were disappointed because it's been a disappointing year for boxing. We've had too many big fights being postponed. You know, there's been too many things being held back. And I think the Pacquiao versus Spence fight sort of kind of saved this, this year of you, boxing for you know, me. Say, um, I actually agree with you. You know what would be ideal, actually? It would be ideal if and if Manny Pacquiao was to win the fight. Yeah. But he didn't look good and then retired. That to me would okay. be I'd love to see him walk away with a win mm -hmm. and not get bashed up or stopped by someone like Crawford or Spence. I don't I was really want it happening. I was literally just about to say that I think he's gonna judge what happens next by his performance on Saturday night. I think an I ugly agree. win for him and a bad performance, I think that's gonna say I'm not going to step in with a Crawford or a Spence because I've just fought at that level. If I go that level above on the back of that performance, who knows? But then again, rustiness could play a part in it. Mike, you were going to say something? No, I was going to say, um, it reminds me of um, uh, Mayweather and Canelo. I think this fight will be, I think Pacquiao, like you said, he's been boxing since I was born, what, 27 years? <laughs> I hear he's that, been boxing yeah. since I was yeah. born. And I think, and I've been watching interviews on like YouTube, like the Showtime interviews, and like they do the Showtime day thing. And he's saying like he's had two years to rest and recover, and yes. he feels young. Okay. And like I said, you could be forty-two, but if your body's of a twenty-nine-year-old, if you know, if your body's a twenty-nine-year-old and you're forty-two mm. and you feel good, you got your power. You got your, he's not going in this. If he knew he weren't. He could win this fight. He would not go in this fight. He doesn't need the money. Yeah, he doesn't need the fame. Make a very good point, Mike. Seriously. He doesn't need the, he doesn't he need the fame really, money. He should really be too much for Ugas. He should really do a job on him. That's what should yeah. happen. If he's got anything left. That's There's little do. things that he's going to do. His foot, he's, like I said, his foot movements is like faints. He's going to be moving around. He's going to be coming in and out. He's going to draw him in, catch him in shots. And look look when he fought Keith Thurman. Everyone thought Keith Thurman was going to ruin him, go through him. Mm. And look what you made Keith Thurman look average. Yeah. That was he a was, masterclass performance by Pacquiao. That was, that was like his, yeah, his last fight, wasn't last it? Last fight, yeah. Last fight. And he made him, he made the WBA, well, he, and you'd put Keith Firm with Terence Crawford, Spence, mm. you'd put him in, mm. in that category, in the top five best welterweights in the world. And Pacquiao, what was he, 40 at the time, made him look average. Keith Firm did. didn't know what he was doing. I think Ugas is a good fight. I think 
think, like you said, well, I don't know what happens at like the world level. Like, if Dillian fights, is there always a backup fighter? So you pay someone to keep on shape so he comes in. Do they know what's going to happen? Or Listen, it's four decades of greatness we're seeing. This guy's been doing it since yeah. the 90s. If, if, he get, if he gets knocked out in 20 seconds on Saturday and retires in the ring, we should be celebrating this guy's career because what he's done for boxing... 100%. Very, Bear in mind, he's he's into like politics now. How he is still willing to get in the? I, I mean, I know he's he's made a ton of money, and you know he should be used to this. But the guy has just kept on going, has fought the best. He's never sh backed down from a challenge. You know, I watched one of his interviews today. He's still calling for the rematch with Floyd Mayweather. This is for me a true role model of the sport. And when I eventually do get that notification on my phone that Manny Pacquiao has officially retired from boxing. I'll be one, one fan that's definitely going to be mourning because yeah, there's a, a number of fighters that I really respect and I definitely put him in that bracket. And if you if you want to look at a role model, you definitely look at Manny Pacquiao. Um, David wow. Hay to make a comeback against <laughs> Joe Fournier, September the 11th. Um, you, know, <laughs> what, 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 you know what, right? I mean, you just can't write it. And the, for me, the massive eye-opener in all of this is that he's been offered more money to fight Joe Fournier than the second fight against Tony Bellew. That's that just bad. tells me Triller are going to take over boxing because if they are managing to fork up the funds for to give him a bigger payday than his second fight against Tony Bellew, says it all. Rod, um, <laughs> I mean, talk to us, man. What, what, what do you make of it? I mean, I, I mean, the expressions on both uh, Xavier and uh, Michael's faces says the same thing to me as well. Uh I mean, look, we saw that sham of a performance against uh, Tony Bellew. You know, he, he was injured. In the last few years of David De Gea's career, you know, he wasn't a fit David De Gea. You know, he was exciting. He was brilliant to watch. But, you know, he had one injury after another. It was a shoulder. It was the Achilles and whatever it was. Um, oh, fair play to him. You know, he's, they're giving him that much money. Then brilliant. This is We're living in the YouTube age of boxing now. This is, you know... And we're, we're in an age where the best won't fight the best. So we've got this YouTube culture that we've got the pet likes of Jake Paul, Logan Paul. They'll mm -hmm. fight the Mayweathers. And I know you're kind of kind of looking at me and thinking, oh, what is he talking about? But this is it. It's what, well, the, you know, it's, it's what the public wants. They want reality. to see a spectacle. It's the, it's, the reality of, it's the reality of today's boxing. And, and, yeah, and, it's, and, it's, and it's a part of it. And everyone should just sad. accept it. No, but, right, as, but to be to be honest with you, everyone should just accept it. And I don't have a problem with these YouTube boxes at all because you you should be able to view and watch whatever you want to watch. If you are hardcore into boxing, then you watch the hardcore boxing. If you mm. just like like a casual fan that likes to watch just big fights or watch YouTube fights, it's completely up to you. I don't see why anybody would have a real a major problem with it. Boxing's still going to continue. Mm. It's so, a bit of a disrespect though for someone like I say like someone like me who's coming up and trying to make a scene and you see people like KSI and Logan Paul headlining the show with people like Billy Joe Saunders and Devin Haney on the undercard. You think if they haven't got the a chance... Not right here, yeah. And, and you think it's a bit of a disrespectful boxers coming up. They're thinking like for me, like I said, like I know that the people I call out like Tommy Fury, Idris Virgo, Jack Fincham from Love Island because that's where at the moment I know the money's going to be at if you know what I mean. If I want to fight someone domestic level at my, so if I call someone out, on how, many fight, how many fights have you had? How many fights have you had? Five, five, but one. Four, five, five. Yeah. Well, 
if you the best thing for you right now is we can't change the current climate this is climate this is this is boxing as it yeah. is right now and these guys are using social media as an aid yeah this is the way it's going i mean if i keep saying the same thing to the guys in my gym you know five and oh seven and oh ten and oh i keep telling these guys if you don't get active on social media and yeah. do things outside of boxing you're going to be left in the background that's it's, it's yeah. just the way it is this is not the 80s or 90s no more and that's why i've had to that's why i've had to move away from certain coaches because they didn't understand where i was trying to go yeah okay yeah yeah. Well, as Debbie, the I ask you one question. I mean, did you watch uh, the, uh, Jake Paul's fight? And what did you make of his performance? You know, as a as a boxing coach, did he? I mean, it wasn't much of a fight to watch, but what what did you make of it? Which one was Jake Paul again? Who did he fight? He's the younger brother. Oh, who's the MMA fighter that he fought uh, that he knocked out? Oh, ben Askren. Yeah. No, I didn't see that. Didn't see that. What about okay? What about Logan Paul versus Mayweather? I saw highlights of that. That was funny. <laughs> yeah, in terms of boxing, I mean, you've got to give him credit for stepping, you know, putting the hard yards in the training camp and stepping into the ring. You know, we, 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 myself and Fassel, we talk boxing every day, but stepping into the ring is a different ball game. You know, do you? Well, I think Floyd, put, Floyd, Floyd almost learned a harsh lesson because he clearly didn't think the guy was going to come in and try that hard. Mm. And he got he got caught of a, a couple of good shots as well. But again, like, why are you in the ring with somebody that big? I mean, regardless regardless of their skills, I mean, the guy is massive in comparison to Floyd. I mean, Floyd is barely was barely a welterweight. I mean, he's got no business doing. It. And at this stage, stay in his career, he doesn't need to be doing that either. You know, he could have exhibition fights against other guys. But again, there's there's hardly a fighter in history that hasn't gone on too long. So these guys, they can't walk away or stay out of the, out of the spotlight. They can't do it. They try it. Uma Fuchs has more comeback, comebacks than a yo-yo. Hope Dillian White destroys him. Hey, version yeah. 10. Hey, um, there's Dillian next fight. Being, being um, obviously a boxing fanatic, as I like to call myself, I watch everything, all the interviews on the, the IFL's uh, boxing mm -hmm. social, shout out to those channels who put in endless amount of work. And I remember Dillian did an interview after David's first fight with uh, Tony Bellion. He said, look, if you want to make a bit of money, you know, just come and fight me. You make more money fighting me than you will with Tony Bellew. Um, so, I don't know. Look, one thing that I can give respect for is David Hay is not doing this because he reckons he's going to challenge for a world title and he's going to avenge his defeat to Vladimir Klitschko. He's doing this because he said he wants to put Joe Fournier in his place. Joe Fournier reckons he can beat him now. Joe Fournier is talking a good fight. I think we've lost uh, Xavier for a second. I'm sure he'll be back joining us soon. But one good thing about this is is it's not a long-term thing. It's just a nah, case of comeback. Yeah, he doesn't need the money. He, well, if he's getting offered more than he got from value, like I said, anyone would take it, no matter what. Like Mike Tyson, like mm -hmm. anyone else. They're getting offered millions to fight and yeah. train. Anyone would take it. Even Which is... Which Jazzy, is why sorry, I like, the phone was you ringing. got offered seven million right, to okay. fight someone. Would you do it, <laughs> Xavier? If you, if you got offered a certain amount of money, like David Hayes getting to fight David uh, Joe Fournier, would you take it? I can't hear you guys. All right. If you got offered a certain amount of money to fight, like David Hayes getting offered to fight Joe Fournier, oh, oh we've lost God, him. It's we've okay. Lost him. 
It's okay. It doesn't matter. We'll move on to our to our next topic. Um, if he comes back on, brilliant. If not, massive shout out to Xavier Miller. We'll share his uh, social media links in our description. Uh, talk a bit about obviously. Well, we'll sort of stay on this topic. Jake Paul has a hit list. Is the boxing world starting to take him serious? Um, he obviously released that video the other day uh, and pronounced Tommy Fury as Timmy Fury. There's names on this such as Kamaru Usman and Canelo Alvarez. This guy, for me, right, he's either got a huge set of nuts or he has got a screw loose in his head. Like, he is verbally, you know, assaulting Conor McGregor's wife. He's talking about Tommy Fury's girlfriend. He's saying stuff that you wouldn't even say if you got paid. Like, I don't know whether it's a great tactical move to get these guys in the ring or if it's just blind stupid. Um <laughs> What did you? Oh, Xavier's back. Brilliant. Uh, what did you guys make of the video and his hit list? And just talk to me about Jake Paul. Is is he right in the head? Because I think this guy is leading up to a serious beating. Right? I mean, I've got two words for you, and that's and he's very clever. I mean, he's and it's clickbait. That's what it is. He's generating interest. He's getting people looking at him. Love me or hate me, you're still going to watch me. I think that's uh, Mayweather's famous words, and he's you know. People are going to watch him. People are going to take an interest in him. Yeah. You know? uh, positive or negative media. He doesn't care. He's a young, good-looking kid who's taken a in real interest in boxing. And he's not that good-looking. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> do you know what I mean? He, he sells. You know, he sells. You know, and he's going to get publication. He's going to get be in the social media. He'll get the tweets. He'll get the, you know, retweets, whatever you want to call it. So... You know, this is what Xavier was talking about, you know, about he's encouraging his boys in the gym to use social media to aid their careers. Yep. I mean, let's be honest, look, Canelo, you know, Canelo has been in the, with the best. What, what's he going to do to uh, Jake Paul? You know, we, we don't even need to discuss that. Forget that. Calling out Kamaru Usman, who is an absolute <laughs> animal. Did you not see what he done to Jorge Masvidal a couple of months ago? You know, calling out Conor McGregor. You know, I mean, Ron said he's clickbait, but I actually genuinely think he might end up getting some of these fights if he keeps on winning because, you know, people are actually investing in Jake Paul now. Do I like it? No, not really. But the guy is making noise. The guy is making things interesting. He's got a 100% fight Tommy Fury. There's a reason why Tommy Fury is going to fight on the same show as Jake Paul because Tommy's going to beat whoever he's fighting. I've, I'm picking Jake Paul to beat Tyrone Woodley. And then you know what's going to happen. They're what? both going to come. No. Yeah. What? Hey, yeah. They're both going to come together, no. and that's where the fight gets made. It's come on, you know, it's it's it's, it's common sense. <laughs> they are putting Tommy Fury on that card. They don't need to branch him out in America. He's got over a million followers on Instagram. He, he does, is yeah. going to America to get rounds under his belt one and two to sort of sign on the, the dotted line to fight Jake Paul. And when he does fight Jake Paul, I hope Tommy Fury destroys him. Got nothing against Jake Paul, but there are certain things you just don't do in boxing. <laughs> Calling out Conor McGregor's one thing, but to then insult his wife and then to call out Kamaru Usman and say he can't even hit hard. I'm like, I will even send you the video of what he done to Jorge Masvidal. Watching that fight pain, put me in pain after the way he knocked him out. This guy has got some serious cojones now. Xavier, you mentioned about something about your fighters going out there, they need to branch out to social media. But surely you tell them there's a certain limit you don't cross. Has this guy crossed all limits for you? <laughs> I think he's got the right to do whatever he wants to do. I, 
he's not someone that I follow or pay attention to. Like I said earlier, it's it's up to the consumer whether they want to follow these guys. They don't have to. Um, you know, he's obviously taking it well. In his mind, he's taking it seriously. He's not. It's not the kind of thing I take seriously. But I don't knock someone else's hustle. They can do whatever they want to do. I'm into the business of trying to, you know, make world champions. Um, but I don't knock anybody for the way they go about trying to make their money. You know, as long as obviously they're not doing anything harmful to somebody else, it's that they can do what they're doing. You know. Ron, you mentioned you asked Xavier the question about Logan Logan Paul's boxing skills. You've seen Jake fight three fights. He's won all three by knockout. What do you rate his boxing skills as? He's won three fights. You know, that's it, really. You know, um, look at his opponents. Uh, I mean, ex-retired MMA fighters. Basketball uh, players. Basketball players, YouTuber. Uh, so it's not really much to go on. It's not like much of a highlight reel. If he was fighting someone like a Mike Stevenson, who's, you know, knows his thing about, a thing or two about boxing and, and technique then it's a different ball game you know you you know mike would probably love that so it's it'll be interesting to see what, what what goes on when he does fight someone like a tommy fury i mean i don't i think i think tommy fury great. needed this as, for him. his career to be honest his career what's going on with his career to be honest but so uh as as we mentioned, he's calling out anyone and everyone. Um, Xavier, I have to ask you this question: How do you react if one of his next callouts is Dillian White? Because that, would, for me, just would be plain insight asking for a beating. I mean, I know you said, look, you don't mind whatever people do for their hustle, and the bottom line is he does make noise. But how do you react if he does mention Dillian's name and Dillian hears it? You know what Dillian's like. Uh, first thing I'd do is start laughing. <laughs> um, and then I'll just say, well, be careful what you wish for because Dillian doesn't seem to mind fighting anybody in a boxing ring, in a cage. Doesn't care. He used, you know, to, do, what he used to do MMA, he, didn't he? Even involved in kickboxing. Dillian would do it for free. I'll tell you that. You won't even need to get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I done a poll on Instagram the other day, right? And it was um, obviously an Instagram story poll. And um, I put a massive picture up of the Mitchell brothers. And I goes, you got you get the chance to pick two brothers you call to a fight to back you up if they're fighting Phil and Grant Mitchell from EastEnders. One side I put um, Tyson Fury and Shane Fury. The other side I put Dillian White and his brother Dean White. Ninety-two <laughs> percent of the voters voted for Dillian and his brother. That is how much you know. I mean, I've seen Dean at a press conference go. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's, my That's my guy, man. I love Dean. Yeah, I, I I've got a lot of time for Dean, and honestly, like. I think Dean scares me more than Dillian because I've not really had the chance to spend much time with, with Dillian. I've seen him at the Lucas Brown weigh-in and at the and I think he was at one of the Joshua fights, but I've never had the chance to interview him. But, yeah, listen. If, Did I you see him on the Billy Joe and uh, Canelo when the massive kicked off? He's he deemed a big self in the middle of it. <laughs> when, when, forget that. When Joshua and Dillian White did he come to blows at the end of the second round, who's the first person to jump in the ring, Dean? Yeah. But anyway, look, final topic, because the man that's joined us today, Michael Stevenson, returns to action September the 5th. Um, Michael, how's training camp going? How's preparation going? Any signs of a potential opponent? No, I haven't. I'm just negotiating with my trainer and manager now about um, an opponent. Who, um, who, who, quite... who manages you? Um, Errol Johnson. And what weight do you fire? Uh, middle to super middle. 
Okay, we'll have to do. We'll try and organise some um, sparring. I've got quite a few down my gym. Yeah. Xavier, I mean, sorry, Mike. What yeah. advice would you give to Michael? I know you've got a few fighters in the early stages of their career, but what would your advice to be to 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 Michael? Now that he's getting back in the ring, he's getting through all this pandemic, we're getting back small hall boxing shows. What's the advice you'd give over to a fighter such as Michael? I would say, well, you've already got a manager and a promoter, but I would say make sure you're with someone who, who can keep you busy. Yeah. You see, um, a lot, I, I sent a lot of my fighters in the early stages to Steve Goodwin because very rarely does he cancel a show. And it was very important for me, for my fighters to go out regularly, at least, at least four to five times a year. And Steve was the one that was consistent. So um, I think at this stage where you're learning, the, the one thing you don't want to be doing is just, is just sitting in the gym. You want to be going out because obviously every time you go out, you know, you're, you're learning, you know. And um, you know, make sure they pick guys that you're going to learn from. Uh, don't try not to. You see, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of fighting a lot of journeymen that just are, are there to survive or, you yeah. know, just get that. To, to me, you're not going to learn anything from that. You know, you go through long training camps, you have really hard sparring sessions, and then you end up fighting that level. Right. To me, in America, when I, when I watch the early career of like a Donald Curry or a Holyfield, the guys from the pro debuts are coming to win. And I think that's what, makes the, what made these guys great because yeah. it's, not, it's not realistic and it's not reality to me to get into a boxing match and someone just to... Just to, just just to give you a, basically give you a win. I mean, what exactly are you getting from it? So I'd rather fight someone stubborn, um, and it's not just about taking it around. I'd rather fight someone who's coming to have a go than take me the rounds because it's competitive. So that's what I would say. If it's someone that's not you're not going to learn anything from, I would say you know step up your competition and don't be scared to step up early. You know, um, yep. because you learn a lot about yourself. You know, when you when you have real fights, when you don't have real fights in your carry. You know, what's the point of getting to like 15 and 0 and not afford anything in that distance? You, it's no good. You know, if you're going to have to take a, a draw or a loss early in your career, sometimes that's, that's the, you know, that's the best thing that can happen to a fighter because, you know, you're fighting real guys. And it's. I, I, that's what I've done on my second fight. I fought someone who had a winning record. I thought, let me, I wanted to push it. He was like eight wins, three losses. I was just mm -hmm. 1 and 0. Yeah. And, um, I thought, you know what? Like, I thought I could beat him. A lot of stuff happened. I'm not, not making excuses with it, but I should have beat him. And he beat me, and I can't make, like, and Faisal knows me and that guy have interactions all the time. I wanted to rematch straight away because I knew what, like, Dylan, when he lost against Povetkin, I knew what I'd done wrong. Mm -hmm. I knew what, and straight away, I was fake. Faye, I think you were there at the fight. And I go, that next fight, I want him again. I want him in the sixth round, our second fight, because I knew, no, what to do to beat him. But mm -hmm. the guy didn't want to rematch, so. But like you said, thanks for that, Javier. I appreciate yeah, that. The that's the best way. Just honestly, boxing is real, and you don't want to get found out like no. later in the career, later in your career. Like you know, when you have hard fights, you come back to the gym, and you know there's stuff that you need to work on, and it's and it's realistic. You know, it's a, you know, you don't want you don't want to sell yourself short. You know, yeah. Everybody and everyone's ceiling is different. You know, everybody wants to be a world champion, mm -hmm. but as I said to the guys in my gym. To, to some of the guys, a southern area or English will feel like it's, a world title to them because that's their ceiling. And yeah. as long as my fighters have actually won something, I'm happy. I'm happy. I was happy when Kay won his English title. I felt exactly the same when Dillian regained his title. You know, to me, yeah. it's just about levels and reaching your, you know, your, your potential. So 
Yeah, now I've spoken to you. Obviously, you know, I want to. I want to. If I haven't seen you fight before, I want to see you fight now. Yeah, thank you, Ron. What with small hall shows coming back in, and fighters like Michael are going to be more active, more busy. You know, Xavier just mentioned fighters. He's sending his fighters fight with Steve Goodwin, and I actually covered their shows, and they're brilliant shows. They don't get the recognition that they deserve. What do you want to see now? Now we're getting back into small hall boxing show, and how important is it that we push? these crop of fighters to the next level given what's been going on in the world and that small hall boxing has had to obviously take a massive hit yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm planning to do my first uh, iq boxing promotion show uh late november and i'm just hope what i'm hearing now is that they're only going to allow nine fights each show um financially that makes it very difficult to get back a return so that's why i pushed my date all the way to end of november hoping that the British Boxing Ball will push the fights up to maybe 12 or 15 fights a show. Because it is difficult for these small promoters because there's no TV money. You know, you've got to make your, your money from, from, t from ticket sales. Um, we do have a very, our, our show is, is going to be a little bit different. Obviously, I can't give anyway, anything away right now. But it's the kind of show that a boxer will want to be on because it's going to be real fights. There'll be, there's not going to be any, apart from maybe one debut, there won't be any journeyman fights on my show. There'll be 50-50 fights straight. And, yeah, that's what you know. You need. And I've told the guy, I told the guys at my gym, they keep screaming, "Oh, we want to be on that show." No problem. You'll be fighting like for like. So if you want it, it's not a problem. But when when people come out to see this show, I want them to come back because they've sat there and watched competitive fight after competitive fight. That's what that's the feel that I want from it. And if it goes well, then I don't mind doing maybe two or three shows a year. But it's all experimental. I've never. I didn't plan to be a promoter. It's just um, one, of the, <laughs> one, of, one of the guys at my gym, uh, Santos, you know, he said that he would lead that side of the business because me and Nick are so busy training fighters. So I said, fine, you know, um, as long as you, um, you know, you arrange most of the meetings, then obviously we'll be there and we'll work together on the night and try and make it a bit special. Fair, fair play to you, man. We'll if you need a middle or super middleweight, let me know. Yeah. I'm about, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll be, listen, 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 you, you text me on Insta. I'll be yeah, happy to put you on. It's not a problem, you know. Perfect. But like I said, as long as your managers, your manager, and you know yeah. your support system is happy for you to be involved in those kind of fights, because what I would really like is if a guy like like a guy five and zero or a guy five and one, put them together. You know, we talk about a purse. If the fight is really competitive, it's really close. The next show, let's have a rematch. That's the kind of vibe I want to create off my show. So if people are happy to be involved in real fights, then you know. Send me, send me, send me a text. Xavier, the, the way you just sold that, I might just go make my own fight camp in my back garden and I might let you um, <laughs> promote it. That, that definitely sold it for me. Uh, Mike, just give a second run. Um, again, relate the question back to you. What are you hoping to see uh, the next level for small hall boxing shows as we are getting back to normality? Well, people like Mike, I mean, giving them exposure. That's it. These, these boys have been starved of making a living. You know, that's it. That's their bread and butter. So it's it's been tough, you know. We've been forged, you know. These elite fighters, they've had their, you know, they've had their sponsorship deals. They've got their big fights eventually, but these, you know, these up and coming fighters, they've had they've had to suffer. They've, you know, they've been spar, you know, training in the gym, uh, and they feel like their career is kind of rotting away a little bit. So I'm really happy now. This pandemic's kind of coming to an end. We're gonna see more of these up and coming boxers coming through. And I mean, I'm hoping next time we, we chat with Xavier, he's going to tell us about an up and coming prospect, 
you know, from one of your shows that he's raving on about that we must interview or have on the show. Going back to Ron's thing, like I said, I'm lucky. I'm a full-time, I'm a PE teacher, a qualified PE teacher, and I work at a youth prison. So luckily, I've had an income coming through for the last eight months. There's guys that I know at like my gym. They are amazing boxers, and they've they've had to. You'd think, oh my god, they're, and they're working in warehouses because good survive, man. Survive, gonna pay the rent. Like even even even, even the journeyman, I, I feel it for them because obviously, yes, you know yes. they're they're getting through four rounds and six rounders, and that's because they want to box next week. Yeah. Now with no boxing, you know their income, you know it's 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 gone. It's 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 been a very difficult period for everyone. But listen, honestly, the strongest survived. If you really really yeah. want to box, this is a test. You know the guys 100%. that really want it, you'll see them back in action this year or early next year. But the guys that I said, you know what, no, this is too much for me and I'm not going to do it anymore. They didn't really want it that badly. It's yeah. a test. Well, it's listen, it's, it's definitely good to hear Xavier's looking to put on his shows and Mike returns on September the 5th. Steve Goodwin's also announced a few shows. It's good to finally what, sort what of... What show are you going to be on, Mike? What show are you going to be on? Um, a be- local uh, home show, Bedford. Be- oh, Bedford? Yeah, that's where I'm from, yeah. So. Oh, because I'll be looking to... The- My show is going to actually be in, um, in Dunstable. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so we'll we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll Ooh, talk. Yeah, I'm, we'll I'm, talk. I'm I'm sensing a, a rivalry here, like Bedford versus Dunstable. You know, get them together. <laughs> you know, perfect, man. Honestly, no. Listen, Xavier, please feel free to send us as much information of those shows over as you can, and we'll do whatever we can to help out. We'd love to come down and cover as well, if if that's all right with you. You know, no retweet, doubt. no doubt. I've everything. Got, I've got quite a few. I've got quite a few announcements coming soon as well. Yeah. Um, I've got about three boxers coming through right now. That um, obviously, uh, you know, they're uh, they're going to do something. I mean, you probably watched Yusuf Kamari as well against Kane Bay yeah. the other day. Um, Very good you know, fighter. You would have seen K um, K Prosper. So yeah, the, the, it's it's the next batch that are coming that I'm excited about because obviously I've built them through the amateurs. So. It's, yeah. it's exciting times and listen i mean we're always here to support any young and up-and-coming fighter and look how long does it take to follow someone's instagram account to retweet their, their tweet you know it's it's not a big ask of whatever we can do to help we'll definitely be up for that uh guys before we bring the podcast to an end is there anything else you'd like to add ron xavier uh mike floors all yours I think we've said enough tonight, I think, all of us. We've gone on for about an hour and ten minutes. I'm actually exhausted. I've just, I've just finished training Dillian, so, um, yeah, because we train... Are you pre- in Portugal pre- now, then, or...? Uh, yeah, I just came, I only went home for a few days, so, you know, obviously the fight date looks like October the 30th, so we're working towards that. So, yeah, we're, 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 we're in full training camp. Xavier, take it from me, embrace it out there in Portugal, because, because all we've had is rain, wind... You must be loving no. it out there and get to hang out with Dillian White. I tell you what, if you go on a night out and you take Dillian with you, you've got nothing to worry about because no one's saying nothing to you if you're out on a <laughs> night out with Dillian White. But honestly, no. Um, listen, guys, thank you. Massive shout out to Xavier and Mike for jumping on. Appreciate Sorry that it went on as long as expected. Um, that's all we've got time for today on Podcast 37. Xavier and Mike's social media links will be below in the description. Check them out. Check out IQ Boxing. And of course, if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. And thank you to listening for episode 37 of the Lights Out Boxing Podcast.